Um, let's pray and then we'll get started. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for a chance to come together and worship. Uh, thank you for holidays where we get to take a breather. And uh, I pray that we would take some time to just rest in you and acknowledge who you are and, and, uh, and what you mean to us. Just be with us as, as we open your word. I pray that um, it would impact us and change us, and we would be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you will, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 13. We'll be in verses 10 through 15. Um, and this, uh, this is kind of a unique um, thing that hasn't, like, that we haven't done before. So the beginning of the series... We started here with this passage, and, and Tim taught this passage, and, and we decided to wrap it up with the same passage at the end of the parable series. So it, it is kind of a, a unique thing, and I, when we started the series, I listened to Tim preach this passage, and I was like, how, like, how do I do anything but just get up and say what he said um, about it? But I think, I think having, having it kind of book in these teachings will bring kind of a new perspective to the same words. Um, and so before we read the passage, I, um, I want to set a little bit of context. When Jesus was teaching, um, there, there was typically, not all the time, but typically when he was teaching, there's kind of three groups of people involved, right? It's like the religious leaders of the day, then his disciples, his followers, and then kind of the masses that were there to see what was going on. And so you kind of have these three sections of people that he's teaching to every time. And, and so he begins to teach in these parables, and his disciples ask him why he has decided to teach in parables, and that's where we pick up. Uh, so Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 15. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he who will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear but never understand, you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus is saying, I, I'm teaching in parables because... These people have grown dull, and they have eyes, but they can't see, and they have ears, but they can't hear. They don't understand what's going on. And we find ourselves in, in a similar situation today. If you just look around our culture, everybody just kind of does their own thing, right? It's like, I do my thing, and you do yours, and we're all alike. We're all all right because we're all trying our best. And we look at it and we think that it that it's new but in the reality like this is how it's always been if if uh, if you were part of men's bible study you'll remember that this summer we read through judges and we repeatedly saw that like every man did what was right in his own eyes and that's where we find ourselves 
today in our society is people, people just do whatever they think is best. And the way that we end up there is because we are people and, and we, when we consider our existence, it drives, us, it drives us to an understanding and that understanding will drive us in one of two directions. It drives us to the understanding that there is a supreme being that is to be worshipped and prioritized above everything else. And that understanding will drive us one of two places. Either it's the God of the Bible who created the earth and made it perfect, and then sin broke it, and he launched this plan to save it, to prove his glory, and so we exist to bring glory to him, or that supreme thing that, desire, that deserves all your worship and all your attention and all your priority is you. Those are the two. Because all the other religions in the world will tell you, you work and work and work until you make yourself good enough that you earn your way to wherever it is that we end up. Or, if you are an atheist, you say, I'm about me, and uh, being about me, I might do a lot of things for other people and a lot of good causes, but really that just builds me up. And even inside what some would call Christianity, there's things like the prosperity gospel that says, it's about you. You live your best life now. Like there In Texas today, there will be stadiums full of people listening to pastors that are sending them straight to hell because they're telling them to focus on themselves Amen. and not on the gospel. And so we are surrounded by these people who have eyes but they can't see and they have ears but they can't hear. So as we walk through these parables, it, it's my desire that, that our church and, and when we study scripture that we understand that we exist to bring glory to God. Full stop. That's it. That's the only reason we're here. We exist to bring glory to God. And the way that we do that, that's our why, right? Like that's at the very center. And how we do that, the way that we do that is by loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And that's what we're to be about. So just to refresh us on, on the parables that we went through, we started with the Good Samaritan. And a person comes up to Jesus and says, like, hey, what's the deal? And he's like, well, you got to love God and love your neighbor. And he's like, yeah, but who's your neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And how there's a man who is, who is beset by robbers and left for dead. And a religious leader passes by. And a, a priest passes by, and all these people who should be about serving God and should be about loving others just walk by him, and then a Samaritan comes, and that's the one that helps him. And we learn that through that, that like no matter your station or who you are or what you look like or where you come from, the people around you, the people that aren't you, are the others that we're to love. And then next we walk through uh, the parable of the ten talents. And how God gives us things in our life and he expects us to do something with it. Not just to sit on it, not just to hold it, and not just to stay in the same pattern that we're in and at the end be like, well, I didn't mess up. But what did you do? We're to love God. And that love of God should drive us to, be, to push ourselves beyond what we think that that we're to be about or what we think is good for us, it should push us beyond that to this, this larger goal of loving God. 
Then we talked about the Pharisee and the publican, and the two men who walked into uh, walked into church, and one prayed a prayer of self-acknowledgement. And in fact, if you look at the Greek, it says he prayed to himself, "God, thank you that I'm not like this, like this dirty publican over here. Thank you that I'm so much better." And you see this this self-worship and and this this love of self in this Pharisee, and then the publican comes over and says, God, I'm a sinner. And Jesus, say, Jesus said, one walked away justified. And that was the publican. And we see, like, that's the, that's the crux of what's wrong with the church, is that it's full of people coming in, and we pray to ourselves, and we look down on others, and we measure up, and we say, I'm, like, I rank here, and they rank down there. And thank goodness that God made me better than them. Because we lose sight of that love of others. And then we, we talked about the, the speck and the log and, and how we can't help someone, we can't help someone out with their sin until we've dealt with our own. And the main sin that we have to deal with is self-righteousness. Because when we do that, when we find the real gospel and when we find that Christ came and died for us because we're sinners, then we understand that we share the same problem and we share the same solution. We can say, I can help you out because I know where you are because I was there. I was dead in my trespasses and sins and Christ saved me. Not because I'm a sweet person, but because he's an awesome God. And then we studied the tortoise and the hare. No, we didn't, because that's not in the Bible. I just want to make sure, like, everybody was still, I know it's a holiday, and we're, like, we're up late because I'll be able to sleep in Monday, so, like, we're still tracking, all right? Like, we're good. That's not in the Bible. Uh, we talked about uh, the pearl of great value and how this, this man found this, this pearl. He sold everything he had to buy it. And another man who was in a field and he found this treasure and he went and sold everything he had to buy this field because it was worth it. And, and we talked about how that our love for God should inspire us to let go of everything else around us. Anything that's holding you back from fully pursuing God, you should let go of and abandon it all because it is worth it, that love of God. Then we talked about the lost sheep. And so we, we kind of uh, see this transition where we have these parables about loving God and loving others. And we arrive at the last two that we did. And the lost sheep tells us how much God loved us, how God loved us first. Because we were that lost sheep. And he left the 99 behind and he went out and he found us and brought us back. And that's where the source of our love comes. Like we love because he first loved us. And God loved us first. And then we talked about the prodigal son. And not only did God love us first, but God loves you still. Amen. Even when you mess up, and even when you're far away, and even when you realize, like, I'm as low as I can get. God loves you still. And he's still that father who is waiting, looking for you to come back. So we love God and we love others and we're able to do that because he loved us first and because he loves us still. So when we look at this passage and we say, okay, well, 
well, how do we have eyes and see? Like, how do we open our hearts? How are we the people who hear and understand? And it's this perspective of the Scripture. When we study Scripture and when we study these parables, it should drive us to understand how good God is and how great our love for Him should be. Uh, thankfully, there's men much smarter than me who say things much more eloquently, and so I wrote down this quote, and this is from J.D. Greer, and I really think it captures the essence of, of what we're talking about when we look at Scripture, and it says this, the goal of a lecture is for you to leave with information. The goal of a motivational speech is for you to leave and take action. But the goal of a gospel message is for you to leave worshiping. And so when we study the scripture and when we look at the Bible and when we, when we dive into the words of our God, like it is not for us to have information. Like We'll gain information along the way. And it is not to like motivate us to go run through a wall, although like God's words are inspiring. But the gospel message should drive us first, foremost, and in the end, to worship. And that's what I want us to be about as a church. A church that comes together to worship God, worship in song, and when we open up the scripture, to understand who God is and to walk away worshiping Him. And I hope that, I hope that as we look back and, and we think about these parables, and as you, as you read your Bible and you land upon these parables and you read through them and you remember what was taught here, that it always forces you to worship God and to understand how much He loves you and for that love to inspire you to love others. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So as we, as we launch into the fall and as we launch into uh, our next series, we're going to study Hebrews. I'm really excited about it. I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to dive in and walk through. And it's going to be a lengthy study, but it's going to be really, really good. Uh, as we do that, I, it's my prayer that we don't learn for information's sake and we don't learn to go out and inspire ourselves to be better, to live our best life, but that we see God for who He is and we understand Christ and His relationship to us. Let's pray and then we're going to worship some more and we'll go. God, thank You for this day. Thank You for loving us and, and just giving us a chance to worship You. God, thank you that you are such a great God that when we mess things up, you prove you can fix us.
that that's how great a God you are. That no matter how far away we get, you love us still. And you're waiting for us to come back so that you can prove your love again. In Jesus' name.